You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. This is Essence. And I'm Janice. And you are listening to the, the Cynic, Cynic Autonomy, Autonomy Podcast. Podcast. Hi. Hello. Oh my God. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yes, indeed. Okay, I am Jalea Harmon, the 14-year-old black girl from Atlanta who is the creator of the popular renegade dance, but she's not getting the proper credit because of non-black TikTokers taking her shine. Yep, speak on it. Um, Today, I didn't look up her name, but I am the girl that created on fleek <laughs> because sis deserve it. <laughs> like, she deserve it. All the shirts, all of the Forever 21, like, situations that happened, she deserve it. Like, I don't know where that word came from, but we really say it, like. It came from a black girl. Right, but, like, oh. where did she, like, on fleek? Like, that's random. Yes, who knows? Like, she could be, like, from Baltimore or something. You know how we have, like, a real mm-hmm. distinguished um, slang or, yeah. like, you know, whatever. That's probably what it came from. And we do have a guest. Do our guest have a... Yes, girl. Yeah, I was going to be Cardi B's two purses that she got, but y'all did, like, serious stuff. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be... Dr. Davison, she, so she was the black woman who got the first patent for uh, sanitation pads. Oh, wow. oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I see. Yes. Somewhere. Yes. That's okay. good. <laughs> That's a good one. So we do want to say a special thanks to our new and returning guest. We're on episode six, y'all. We made it. We made it. You know, <laughs> it was struggle for the first episode. I think we're getting better. Our flow is getting better. Um, mm-hmm. We are wrapping up Valentine's Day weekend, and so we still have our playlist out there. For the people that's all in love, we have the love playlist, and if you're not, we have the F-Love playlist, and you can <laughs> find that. <laughs> uh, you can find that on Spotify and on Apple Music, and you can find that in our bio in the link tree. And, yeah. Yeah, you so. can find it in our personal bios, too. So even if you don't follow us in the autonomy, which you should, and I don't know why you wouldn't, but, um, yeah. Yeah, we're doing something a little different today. Essence usually leads the show. Yeah, we switching it around. So, and I'm going to take the place of Janice and tell y'all what we're going to talk about so today. So, what we're talking about today. So, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about being black in general and as a woman because, honestly, like, we can be more specific about our own experiences as well as being black in white spaces, internalized racism, colorism, and this overall representation of black people in the media, but... Like in society, because the society, the media is a reflection of today's society. It is. is. We're going to touch on that. I think that's something good. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, we have a guest. The guest is my cousin, Laquana. (laughs) So, like, introduce yourself. How are you? Tell the people why you're here, why we wanted you, maybe. Okay. So, I'm Laquana. I go by Q. Most people actually call me Q. Um, So, how am I? I'm doing okay. Like, (laughs) So I started this thing where, like, when people ask me how I am, I, I, like, give a real answer. Yeah. So, like, I feel like I have some exciting things happening in life, but I st- mm-hmm. I'm, like, in this haze. And I'm waiting for the haze to clear, and I just don't know what it is. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I can see that, especially after, like, a new year. Like, things can always get, like, a little jaded. So you're really trying to figure out your place in it. And, like, moving forward, you're trying to develop new goals and stuff. So mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, and I set and I set some really good goals. Like, I was like, I'm going to take up snowboarding this year or something new. And then we didn't get any snow. Oh, so I was like, <laughs> all right. And then just, like, other uh, different things. But, I set yeah. some quarter one goals. Not Q1. <laughs> you feel like I'm at work. Oh, my God. So I got some goals I need to accomplish by March 31st. I'm, no, be behind, but we still got a whole month I'm left. I'm my reading challenge. I said I'm going to do, like, 20 books. I did zero. Oh, that just made me think of something. I'm going to buy a book now. Nope. <laughs> I just got paid. I'm about to get buy me paid, a book. Get paid. <laughs> 
So, yeah, um, we're going to just dive right into it. So yeah. being black, you know, being black is really multifaceted. It's being resilient, prideful, having honor and all that type of good stuff. So mm-hmm. what does being black mean to you guys? You can go, Fio. Let me go. Okay. So to, uh, I thought about this question a lot. So to <laughs> me, it's like everything. I feel like black people, we are like the epitome of culture. Like, mm-hmm. and even outside of that, like, especially something that I've really been thinking about now is just like being black to me is what I want it to be. And yeah. so like it doesn't have, it's so multifaceted, like even like even across uh, different mm-hmm. identities and just like navigating that. Um, but yeah, it's just, so it's like everything. It's the way I walk. It's the way I talk. It's the mm-hmm. way I dress. It's the way I choose to show up. The way I choose not to show up. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something I've been doing. Like choosing when I want to engage, when I want to give my energy, when I don't, and knowing that that's okay. But also just like how I celebrate myself, how I affirm myself, how I do that to others, and encourage others to do the same, mm-hmm. and just like staying staying in that and like being proud of that being vocal about that um yeah i just, I just love being black like, I, <laughs> I think about that also. i seriously so do like mm-hmm. i do like yeah and that's how you should feel yeah you should have like this embrace of like just who you are because like with me um i just think like you mentioned earlier like I just think being black is just encompassing like duality. Mm-hmm. Like we are so many things and it's to have just having that capacity to be all the things at once. It's in the way I talk, it's in the way that I present myself. It's like we have it's just something so magical about being mm-hmm. black and like it's what that like what being fluid and just having range. Yeah. <laughs> like we got the range to really do like things beyond like measure. And um I think our traditions and values are rooted to our ancestors mm-hmm. and then like even in the lives that we live, it may be in a different world, but we still like we still channel those things for sure. I feel it. Q, you mentioned that being black to you is like the epitome of culture and black culture. And YouTube describe what was the YouTube video and describe black culture like gumbo because you have like <laughs> oh, all yeah. these different things into oh, that's one. A good one. Yeah, um, I love gumbo. And then one mixed thing. So, what is black culture to you? Is it like you were saying the way you walk, the way you talk? Like, what is it? Yeah, the way I walk. It's it's the way I I live life and navigate life. And like, so what I think about what. Yeah, so like what I think about, what I choose to read about, what I choose to consume. Like, even like when you mentioned the TikTok girl, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. boom, trendsetters. Like black people, we (laughs) people will try to say like we don't or like, oh, it's everybody comes. It comes from everything. Like, no, like black people, we set the tone for what is trendy. Like, so I played sports. So even just like how people like basketball shorts, Nike socks and stuff Mm -hmm. started by black people, mostly the (laughs) Fab Five, Chris Mm -hmm. Webber them. So like, like we start, we start trends. We, we say what's cool. We say what's not. And people just imitate that. And so just like being black is just like, so outside of like that, but then just like how we push through stuff, how we're resilient, how even like despite like every challenge after challenge, systematic issue after systematic issue, we still persevere, we still come through. Yeah. And, and sometimes we, we, we set the change. Like when we show up and we're, we're voting and we're, we're on our stuff at the box offices, like look at Black Panther, like, yeah. mm-hmm. like black people, we did that. Like Ryan Coogler, you know, they started that, but like we did that. We, that's like a top selling movie. Like I, right. I, I saw on the internet, I don't know how true it is, but it says that black women are, uh, Mm-hmm. The most people who go out, go out and vote. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I think it was the South Carolina election. Like, there mm-hmm. was one specific guy. Uh, I can't even remember his name. I blocked him out. But, uh, like, we didn't want him. Uh, we didn't want him. Like, went in. <laughs> and, like, black women showed up and they showed out. And, like, it changed the votes. And he, like, lost. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were shook. But that's what we, we do. We be out there voting, y'all. Yeah, yeah. that's fire. Black women be doing our thing. 
Um, I guess for me, when I consider black culture, it's an umbrella term for our thought and behavior that is associated with our race. Mm -hmm. So everything that we do will like, like you said, like we be these pioneers for so Mm -hmm. much. And it's a lot of not pressure, but it's like we carry in the weight of so much. So when things people do try to like, you know, take it and reflect it, we do get hurt by it because we got we black 100 percent of the time. Like, I can't just put on a different face and be somebody else as much as, like, you know, I would want to. So I just think being culture is really just about it's a way of life and it's everything that, like, we do will end up going up under that term of culture. Like, if yeah. I wear my shoes a certain type of way, mm-hmm. if I wear my hair, if I talk, like, my vernacular, all of these things will go in within mm-hmm. that term. Like what you said, like, we're black all the time. We can't take this mask off. So sometimes it really bothers me when you want or when... Uh, non-black people want to try to dabble in things that's a part of our culture our hair mm-hmm. the way we talk but they don't want our problems it's right. like we like this all the time and you yeah. want to pick and choose and you can't do that yeah and that's what in black culture don't like we don't we're very open to people but at the same time it's a difference between like respect like you being respectful and just like appreciating and embracing it rather than you taking it as your own they also don't honor it Mm -hmm. yeah like you can like yeah dabble in it but show respect to where it came from yeah because it's hurtful to me when it's like this is this is all i could do i couldn't do anything else or this is all i know so now that you know about it you think that you can just like tap into it and when it's convenient and put on different caps like it's outfits and Black people are not accessories. Our yeah. culture is not an accessory. So, yeah. Yeah. Do y'all think that people have started to use the like, oh, well, I'm respecting the culture as a way to still appropriate it? Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's an excuse. Like, they yeah. try to use that as, like, the explanation for it. Like, well, I'm not I'm not doing it in a derogatory manner, but it's like, it made me, it, it made me feel away, you know? Yeah. So that's really what, like, it matters at the end of the day. We um we all went to PWIs. We went to Michigan mm-hmm. State. You went to Adrian, and you had got your master's at Michigan, mm-hmm. I mean, at University of Michigan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've That's all <laughs> <laughs> we've all had to be in places that were not meant for us, that did not kind of respect us. Mm-hmm. So, like, talk about how being black in white spaces and navigating being black in spaces that aren't meant for you, and still like showing your culture and your pride. Mm-hmm. I think more. St- I think I've definitely learned how to do that now versus when I was like younger and even in, in undergrad. So um, also background, like my parents were in the military. And so I moved around a lot. And like one particular, I was in Traverse City. And so it was only like three black before. So me and my brother and these are two other brothers and mm-hmm. so, uh, sisters who were black. And so just like I've always been in white spaces. And so like starting off, I think I just like existed. So kind of like, you know, how people are like, oh, mm-hmm. be flexible, be compromising. Yeah. But I think that's like undertones to like just assimilate and so I think that's mm-hmm. just what I did and when I got to undergrad at Adrian I, I took a women's studies class my sophomore year and that's when I started to like learn about what I was doing so I was like right. getting a language I was seeing like other people had these same experiences as me mm-hmm. and so I um yeah so a lot of that time was just like learning and when I got to U of M that's definitely where um you think it was a lot of application, like applying all those yeah. things you learned? Yeah, so not so much in the when the social work program, but when I definitely got went to the higher ed program, when I got hooked up with uh, IGR, so we did like diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion stuff. Yeah. So that's when, oh, uh, the program on intergroup relations. Okay. And so we did a, like a lot of the diversity and inclusion workshops um, and different things. And so that's when I think I really started to like, like apply navig- uh, like what it was like. So I was already doing it, but then it was just like how to push back, how to like produce, uh, do counter narratives, how to find community with like people who uh, look like you, talk like you, where you don't have to explain certain things. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I really just like got tapped in with the black community. Um, 
I really got tapped into like consuming black media, consuming black podcasts, black uh, books, different things like that. Just because like, you know how they always say like representation matters, it does. but it like it really does something when you're actually seeing yourself and seeing people who like think like you or maybe they don't think like you in the same way, but it's still those same under uh, cultural undertones that yeah, you don't have to explain. Definitely. And so, yeah, just like doing stuff like that, I think really, really made the difference to the point where uh like now I consider myself so pro-black. Like I don't, I, I do like, sometimes it gets me into trouble. Like I do not cater to white people's feelings. Like, I, yeah. like, like see, yeah. I, I rock with people like, I rock with I, people I like don't. that. Cause I don't, I don't think that being black or expressing your blackness should be like seen as a negative thing, but mm-hmm. people could really take that as aggression. Like, mm-hmm. so I like how I navigate being black and white spaces just unapologetically. Like yeah. I'm very confident in everything that I do. So even if it does not align with everything that is going on around me, I'm still very much so like like grounded in it. Like I'm not assimilating to anything. This is who I am. And as much as I respect you, you should be able to respect mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And um, I think I personally try to perpetuate an environment of empathy so it's like I understand you and where you coming from so like you know I try to mirror like so they can mirror that and yeah. understand me as well and it, it levels the playing field because at that point when I do start to talk about like my experiences it's not like they are judging me it's more like okay you know I, I get you so you know they can it's more comprehension yeah y'all mentioned that you mentioned that you're like pro-black and you're unapologetically you but when I was in those spaces I was kind of more quiet so mm-hmm. I, I would sit back and I would like scope out the scene and I would see like how much I can fully exert myself and mm-hmm. who I am mm-hmm. and what I can bring without being judged Yeah. and so I I don't know like I see where I check out my surroundings and then I I go from there. I don't want to exactly be who I am. And that's something I'm working on, you know, being who I am in spaces that are not meant for me so they won't judge me. Yeah. I was just talking to my friend about that. Like sometimes like because she was saying like she's in this class. She's like, the black women are so vocal about different things. She's like, but I'm not like that. I was like, well, then keep being you. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You don't have to. So I think there's a, also like a stereotype that we put on ourselves sometimes, at least from my experience, like that when we're black, we have to be like vocal about our blackness when sometimes mm-hmm. people's vocalness is just like observing reading the room and then yeah. contributing when they see it's necessary and that's right. also okay yeah i think we yeah. also as like black people sometimes we want to be mean mm-hmm. um and stern and like mm-hmm. have this aggression and this power to say like, you can't do that and i remember i was um at work one day and this girl asked me she's like well how do you feel when black people say the n word i mean when um non-black people say the n word mm-hmm. and i was just like i'm not one of those black people that's like oh my god you can't see this you yeah. can't say this like i'll probably side eye you but i won't like i i think i'm not the vocal one. the place that i come from is i try to educate people on yeah. it because it's from it's ignorance like mm-hmm. that's simply all it is so they in their minds have a different connotation for that word but i'm gonna let you know what it really means <laughs> and like i think it's important to educate people so that they can learn from their mistakes mm-hmm. and avoid and prevent making them again so and like i am one of them people where i in the past I have observed because I really don't know the place that people are coming from is it ignorance or is it just like you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and you're trying to spew hate you know so Mm -hmm. you you gotta you have to deal with both different so I guess I observe but I will like definitely speak on it because it it pisses me (laughs) off and I don't I don't I never want any person black or whatever the case to feel like they're not safe in a space Mm -hmm. yeah yeah has there been a time when you guys were discriminated while in those spaces yes (laughs) (laughs) 
talk about it. Talk about it. You can go first. I think the biggest one was when I was in when I was at Adrian. So we had like the student center. Student mm-hmm. and student centers are not quiet. Like this is not the library; it's the student center. And plus, yeah. we had a cafe there. Okay, so That's like, like a union, probably yeah, 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 like a union. So yeah. like, and so it was like it was mostly the it was the basketball team. We were predominantly black that year, and mm-hmm. so we were just like we were just talking, having community, having fun, and we did get a little loud. I will I will acknowledge that, but yeah. it's like we've been doing this all four years. And so the campus safety officer came over and was like, "Hey, y'all need to quiet down. Y'all are too loud." And we're like. Okay. <laughs> ATL yeah. just ran through here singing their chant, but whatever. Right. right. But it's just like a kid. You tell them one thing, they might still do it over and again. You have yeah. to remind them. And so the next time he came over and we we're like, all right, all right, we're sorry. And then he just like went off. He was like, that's it. You all are so disrespectful. And, blah, 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 blah. and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So what you won't do is that. And right. so it like really turned into this like ordeals. Like, so you're over here policing us and tone policing us and our actions and stuff that one, we do every day Two, This is not a quiet space. This mm-hmm. is like a community space where these norms have been established that this is okay. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. three, like other people are doing the same thing. Uh, particularly, so Adrian was a predominantly white uh, college as well, and so mm-hmm. like other people are doing the same thing. But you're only targeting us, like once again. And then two, four, you came over here in a hostile manner, right? And so yeah, it, it just really turned into this like like big ordeal. Like the housing director and stuff was called, and so like I was frustrated. Like one, being a black student, yeah. and then two, like I was also an RA. So like housing is coming up to me trying to like talk about the situation, and I'm like, you just worried about me being an RA when like no, I'm siding with like my people. Mm-hmm. I'm like y'all were in the wrong, and so it was just so annoying. And like we just had a panel on this. Like we literally had a panel on this specific topic, and it's like was that with the school or just like in general with the school? So I was at the I was working for the multicultural office, and so okay. we put on like a um a panel where we were talking about like different. Um, issues students of color face on campus and just like how um, administration can be more supportive and inclusive and like Mm -hmm. this was one of the main topics and it's like so y'all sat in this panel and then like when it came to the actions like y'all didn't follow up y'all didn't y'all went back into the same patterns yeah Yeah. and so it's just like yeah I mean that's I I don't want to be that person like it's to be expected but like being at PWIs, you everyone know. is, you know what it is. It is. Like, and it sucks, especially when you at parties, like parties, yes. like, with, like the black parties and the white parties. Like, yeah, so I remember I was, um, I went to a Halloween party at a, I don't know, I don't, I called it a white party, y'all. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I went to the White House and they were literally fighting outside the front yard and the police was just parked across the street and just watching them fight. I'm like, let it be some black people. We'll have five cars up and down this mm-hmm. block. Party is over. Let yeah. it just be a party within like 30 seconds. Too <laughs> 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 many black people in one space. We gotta evacuate. This is a residential neighborhood. You gotta go. Yeah, I my first experience was actually at MSU and it was my freshman year and my like I went in blind for my I went in blind because like I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. know anyone like no one from my school had went there. So I was pretty optimistic about it and what happened was the girl like she didn't like like she at the time I was like maybe it's cuz she was the only child. Maybe she tried to make these rules about our dorm like oh you got to have all the lights off at this time. You got to take your phone calls outside. You know, I was thinking maybe it was a you used to like a certain kind of way things. Yeah. But like 
the more and more it went on, like, I remember we had a situation where her Wi-Fi router that she, like, had got for both of us stopped working. So I went to buy one and tried to plug it up and, like, replace hers. And she got so upset at me and called her mom. It was just like, yeah, like, who does she think she is? I don't know where she came from and how she, like, I don't know what they do. But that's not what you do. And I'm like, it's Wi-Fi for both of us. So for me to try to help us and for her to, like, still try to have, like, some of that aggression and, and be biased. I knew that it was more about race. So one day she literally just like packed up her stuff and left. And I was Bye. so I was so <laughs> I was totally like, Yeah, but at MSU it's like they go still be like, yo, you want a roommate? So it was very, it was messed up, but it was convenient because my sweet mates, they ended up like getting into it and mm-hmm. one of the girls moved out. So I moved in with her because we were all cool. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that was great. I stayed with her for like this was all happened in my freshman year, so first semester. And then my like best friend at the time, she had um like her roommate had moved out, so she needed someone. So she because she didn't want to pay for a single, so I moved in with her. Mm-hmm. So second semester, I was living with her. Everything was cool. My old roommate that I had, like that was you know things were fine. And so one day she like joined the sorority, and she was Snapchatting me, and she was drunk. Like we were cool, and then she just kept snapping me, and I'm like okay. I gotta go to sleep. Like, <laughs> keep sending these notifications. Be safe. And she called me the N word. Oh my and, god! And she said it in a Snapchat video. Not like, and the way she held the camera up to her face, she like pulled it back when she said it. Was crazy. Was she like saying like, "Yeah, my"? Or was she like, "No"? She just literally like, I like, I, as soon as I opened the snap, that was what she was saying. Like oh, after I told her, like, yeah, like. I got to talk to you later, you know, just make sure you be safe and stuff. And she said that to me. I was like, I'm looking out for you, sis. And so as soon I said, I literally read her. (laughs) (laughs) But it was was like, I had to because it's like, you don't do that. So when I did say something to her, she didn't respond. Someone read it. She didn't respond. One of her sorority sisters texted me. It was like, oh, my God, like trying to like apologize for her. And they may have came from a good place, but you cannot try to defend someone else's actions. Mm -hmm. Especially when they're drunk because she really meant that. that, Right. She was well aware of what she was doing for I to stop talking to her. I like cut off all contact but like over time like I just you know I never see her or nothing but still that was my I never in my life have been caught that and it's mm-hmm. like how like how dare you we lived together like we was making sure we, each other was good like I would have never she's telling me deep personal stuff mm-hmm. I would have never imagined so yeah, yeah. Um, I experienced discrimination I, I'm the one the incident I am going to talk about happened my senior year of college and mm-hmm. um I went you know I went to Michigan State predominantly white institution yep, yep. so I was you know I was already kind of hesitant to use my resources because I don't think my resources was really meant for me to mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. so like the career service and stuff like that yeah but uh, my uncle at the time was really pressuring me to go have them look at my resume I'm like skip it I'm gonna just go so I went and the lady was looking at my resume and my junior and senior year of college, I was the secretary and the treasurer of African American Student Mentorship Program. Mm-hmm. So I put that on my resume as experience. And the lady was just reviewing my uh, resume and she was like, yeah, you might want to take the AASMP thing off because when employers look at that, they're going to assume that you're black and they might not give you the job. And but I you're black. Like, <laughs> and I don't want to work for them if they want. Right. Yeah. I want them to know that I'm black, not make an assumption. I was just yeah. like, 
see, this is why I didn't want to come here in the first place. Like, I wasn't hurt by it. I wasn't shocked by it. I kind of just, like, normalized it because it's like I knew what to expect coming here. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we probably shouldn't normalize stuff like that. No, we shouldn't. But, I mean, that could be some, like, that could have been a way to cope with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's totally acceptable whichever way that you felt like you needed to deal with that. Yeah, so we're going to talk about microaggressions. If you don't know microaggressions, it's basically when people's biases against marginalized groups reveal themselves in ways that leaves their victim feeling uncomfortable and insulted and is usually by their words or actions. For example, you speak white for a black girl. I hate that one. So let's talk about microaggressions and if you have, like, what microaggressions have you heard? How did you deal with them? Like, what's up? So that one, I think that's a big one for all of us. Life. Like the or you Oreo. I hate that. Oh yeah, I don't like, like that. It's so I can't even get into it. Yeah. So that one. What else? Oh, I I think, and you two, you y'all maybe maybe experienced too. Like going mm-hmm. to like the Michigan or a Michigan state when like people find out that you did. It's like. Oh, Oh, Good yeah. for you. Yes. Oh, my God. And I like, yes. not expect me to be able to get it unless they're like that. I had a teacher. She told me I wouldn't get in you. She's like, oh, you won't get in the U of L. No, no, okay, no. Nice. So, yeah. Like, I, yeah. That's advisor, crazy. Good old advisors. But, yeah, so, like, that one, the hair, especially, like, now I've, I've been really taking care of my hair. So now that it's longer, like, people are shocked that I have mm-hmm. long hair. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that one bugs me, too. But, yeah. yeah. I think that's my main one. Mm-hmm. Like, I get the, like, you know, you talk white for a black girl, then I get the, is that your real hair? I literally just got that at work this past week. Where somebody asked me, is that your real hair? I'm like, yeah. And then they want to touch it. Yeah, and I'm no. like, yes. oh, my God, like, don't touch my hair. I am not a pet. Like, if it was any other person, you would not have asked to touch exactly. their hair. So it's like, oh, my God, I just love black hair. Okay, sis, get out mine, though. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, I, I don't like that, like, because I just think that it kind of make you, it really make you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. when they touching you and all that, because it's like, a, no people personal space. Yeah. Yeah. Can you start asking questions about it. Like, Google is free. Like, I'm just yeah. so, like, infatuated with this, and I just want to, like, what's the process for this? And right. YouTube says, YouTube it literally. Yeah, I keep it very, like, brief, straight to the point. Like, look, this is, like, don't touch my hair. This is not what you do, like. <sighs> flat out like you don't touch people here yeah. it's disrespectful <laughs> uh Q, you mentioned when you were um younger you wanted to like assimilate in those white spaces or something like that am i correct mm-hmm. so do you think that there is pressure on black people to assimilate or are we at a point where we just don't care anymore i think there's i think the pressure is always there just because like Society is rooted in white supremacy and whiteness and whiteness being the epitome of like what things should be. So mm-hmm. I think the pressure is always there. I think it's half and half. So I think it's the half that no longer cares to assimilate. And then I think the backlash of like not caring kind of makes you question like, well, should I? Mm-hmm. And, in, and in certain ways yeah. you do have to play the game. So like especially being in higher ed, it's hard to like for me to navigate that because like in one instance – I'll be in like these social justice spaces where like what we, like we push back on this all the time, but then it's like when we meet with the higher ups, like certain things can't be said, or you right. have to like say it in a certain way that you necessarily might not agree with, yeah. and so that doesn't feel like real and authentic. But it's just like you do have to play the game to a certain point to like keep your job so yeah. you can live. But um, yeah, so I think I think, and that's when you start. That's so what we really work on is like how to not assimilate but be tactful, and yeah. so like. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah. 
Because I think people look at assimilation as, like, a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's or look at it as a requirement in those shared spaces where you are at work or you are around other people and, like, the way they perceive you could really determine your success or, you know, your money, you know, things that really have an effect on you. So um, I think the pressure is always, as long as people have, like, any bias against black people the pressure is always going to be there for us to assimilate to that like their culture or their you know perspective yeah for that because i think it's some people like who genuinely just don't care anymore like mm-hmm. they're going to mm-hmm. be black regardless i'm gonna be black and you gonna see this at work yeah, I'll be shout black. out to Brittany. i love you because you are black Brittany gonna be her regardless <laughs> Brittany is black a hundred percent time and i love her for it uh but there are some black people who want to I guess kind of stand apart from their kind of part, so they want to assimilate, mm-hmm. yeah. and they don't want to be hit with that stereotypical black, black negative black connotations. I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. So they try to be like different and assimilate in that culture, so they don't be like, oh, I'm nothing like them. Yeah, I'm different. Where I, that's where I think internalized racism comes in. Yes. Yeah, I, I used to do that a lot, yeah. especially when I was younger. Like looking back, I was just like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. Like I used to tone police, especially like when uh new black students came in like I, I would be like tone please I'm like don't play your music loud like no mm-hmm. don't be yelling like that mm-hmm. and yeah so I, I just really I really had to work through that and just like the different ways that I would contribute to inter- like respectability politics like they really push that like be the respect respectable black person like you're, you're yeah. not them like yeah. oh you're so well mannered right. like yeah oh, you're part of you're part of BSU but you're not like that you're not the president right. you're not like the one starting the protest like yeah. different things like that it's so. like be black it's like you know that um Tyra Banks was like, go in and what's that thing when she go in and Oh, out? yeah, she oh. was like, oh. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was yeah. like, be black, yeah. but make it class. Yeah, so right, it's like, make it fast. It's stuff like that. So I think that is where internalized racism can mm-hmm. come into play when you try to stand out. And internalized racism is when a marginalized group takes some, takes the negative stereotypes and ideology used against them from another race and mm-hmm. use it against their own race. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. I think that's a very big thing. I think, and I think that people do it um, consciously and subconsciously. Mm-hmm. So I think they do it subconsciously because of like you were what you were saying, like the tone police turn it down, mm-hmm. be that respectable black person, don't be yeah. loud. But I also think they do it consciously because of, um, I guess, class groups and the different class uh, wages. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I didn't even think about think, that. Yeah. Yeah. So like the rich black people would or not the rich black people but like upper it class. could be like middle class yeah. in comparison to yeah a class mm-hmm. up under they they want to be all bougie uppity and it's like oh we don't act like them over there right. type thing so do you guys think that that's something that happens consciously or subconsciously um i think it's i said unconscious to me, me because um that's how it got its name because it's internalized like you are just pretty much a sponge from like society and you just soak it in because those rules and beliefs and things were pushed onto you Mm -hmm. and you just like pretty much soaked it up because you felt like that is what you had to do and it's a defect from society Mm -hmm. like and it it rubbed off on you and that's really Mm -hmm. all it is to it and people feel like 
it's a means to survival or some like division is like clarity like for example people use stereotypes as a way to predict who that person is or how they will behave and it's a lazy way of, get, of the get to know you stage pretty much it's very yeah. lazy and it's offensive because every person doesn't fit into those things and as black people we do it like me being a lighter girl people would be like oh she actually not gonna text you back because she lighter and it's like no <laughs> like anybody won't text you back color is up <laughs> like, you're just color. not getting the text back <laughs> So, you just boring, <laughs> right? And I, I, I have seen that. Like I have seen how people have like really just utilized those stereotypes as a way to navigate throughout life mm-hmm. and determine who they should mess with or who they should like, you know, communicate with. And it's like I said, it's a lazy approach to going about life. Inoffensive, very offensive. Very, very. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah, I said, at first I said it was subconscious. Now I'm thinking about. Like, I had said it was subconscious, and we have to consciously work to like break the um break those patterns of mm-hmm. socialization mm-hmm. Now i'm thinking especially with thinking about what you said yeah, she a lot a of point. Uh, <laughs> especially with the um socioeconomic status because like mm-hmm. we see that a lot like this whole debate with like the hbcus now yeah. and just like people uh blacks who go to hbcus and just like the uh elitism that comes out of that right. i mean i didn't go to hbcus so i really can't speak on it but yeah, no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about that. No, <laughs> they had an yeah. episode about that on Blackish. Um, so he, I mean, obviously they like a what is it like a higher class family mm-hmm. but the dad he got invited to be in the elite black group mm-hmm. and it was like he was a he tried to be a part of it but when he tried to like what was his other friend his friend that worked at the agency oh, i think it's, I is it charlie or something yeah i think from charles yeah. or something like that I don't yeah know. so he tried to have him be a part of it and they pushed him out like he not like us so mm-hmm. there it was that internalized you know like yeah. he's not like us he like wear white beaters and all of this and he like stepped out the dad stepped outside of that group and was like this doesn't reflect me or my values and yeah. I think that's the same thing with like your socioeconomic status because people do get money and money is like it's just an automatic differentiator because mm-hmm. when you have money you're going to live your life differently Kanye. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so it's like that's so automatic but it's the way in which you like what you do with yeah. the money that you have and the way you like you know express yourself I see I seen a tweet uh, and it was Kanye delivering Yeezys in like the west oh yeah with that something. black truck yeah. yeah and it was like Kanye loved to like say he from the south side or whatever but he doesn't like ever come back or like give back and I like think that he's the one who like got his money and it's just like "Mm, okay peasant (laughs) (laughs) bye (laughs) y'all but um with internalized racism you mentioned uh how like they'll be like light skinned girls don't text back like that's colorism Mm -hmm. it is and how do you think that colorism has affected the black community <laughs> it definitely keeps us it, it keeps us divided because i so personally i see i see both sides but then it's mm-hmm. also there is this privilege that comes with so it's like this privilege that comes with being a lighter skin tone yeah but then also it's just like you're still black so you still get that end of the like yeah. situation just like navigating that and i think I don't think black people are ready, like, for the most part, to have a real, like, deep conversation on colorism and how it's so rooted in things yeah. and how it, like, even, like, with preferences, people are just like, oh. And maybe it's just me because I, I never looked at someone just like, oh, I only prefer this. If you're cute, shoot your shot. Like, that's what <laughs> I look at. Like, like, and so, like, when people say, like, oh, I, I just have these preferences and I'm just like, yeah, do you? But what are those preferences? Where did you hear those messages that, yeah. like, this was, like attractive and this wasn't you're just not attracted to that like and i always hate when people tell me like oh i never really liked black girls until i saw you and it's like Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. why because you don't think dark-skinned girls are cute 
But then it's like me. Also, I crack a lot of light skin jokes. Like, uh, like we're at the, uh, so I was over at my uncle's house and Janice was there and she, she said something and I had called her a diet black. And then afterwards, I was like, hey. <laughs> I was like <laughs> we can laugh about like, this. We're black. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, was I shouldn't have said that. And I was like, eh. I don't think I was offended. I know, but still, I was just like, yeah. what did I do? I don't know. You were still kind of like half asleep. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, oh, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's some, like you said, we, sometimes we do do it unconscious. So you just mm-hmm. automatically do mm-hmm. it. So, I mean, it's, it is what it is. But for me, um, I think colorism is, it is a division within a black community because we already have this division being a marginalized group within society. So then it's like, it's like a subcategory mm-hmm. <laughs> within our own like race. And it puts lighter skinned people, like black people, as superior or close to white. Right. So like back in the day, they used to do like that brown paper bag test. So that was the way to differentiate who should be where and who should have what. And like mm-hmm. even now, like I see, Oh, see, and remember when me and Janice had this conversation, I seen so many, like, like athletes or people go for light-skinned girls, and it make me upset because there's so many black women, you know, out yeah. there. And it's like, I know, like, it's a, it's a trend. That's what you're going for. And I, for, to see so many people do it, I know that, like, it's one of those internalized, you know, racism and colorism things because you're not, you're not doing this because you want to. You're doing this because you feel like, oh, yeah, like yeah. they they go be submissive. They go, you know, all right. of those stereotypes yeah. that is a lazy approach, as I mentioned. And it'd be lazy enough to not even, like, reflect on your preferences. Yes. And just like, no, it's just what I like. Okay, but, like, actually think about it. Like, not a single not a single person that's not a celebrity. So I think also that, too. Like, people mm-hmm. can are easily like, well, like, look at Rihanna or, like, uh, like Summer Rae and different things like oh, that. Yeah. And be like, oh, yeah, 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 see? But right. it's like, yo, those are celebrities, though. Come on, let's. Right. Like, they don't count. But in real, in real time. <laughs> like, like, that's not be, who you're choosing. Yeah, like, in school, girls, black, dark-skinned girls do not be getting, they don't get their flowers. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like they should. And on social, and on social media, they're starting to, like, get their flowers now but yeah it, it, it kind of bothers me because at first it was like this light-skinned girls are the way boom 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 they're great and now it's just like oh dark brown skin dark skin girls really where it's at like lead a light skin girl. yeah it's like why can't black girls just be where it's at in general why do right. we have to have like oh they're better now oh no nope, they're the better unity, now bro. like we're yeah. together we're still one we're still black it's no different mm-hmm. and i like like when she mentioned pretty for like a brown skin girl like i have seen people say that and i don't like i don't like that like mm-hmm. i have even seen light skin people be like oh i can't date another light skin boy because he gonna <laughs> think he's prettier than me like what <laughs> light skin boys are like, <laughs> like pretty what? boys and it's 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 just I don't know I really couldn't really say how what to do about it because like it's just one of those things that like people just got to change their way of thinking mm-hmm. and like it, everybody already go through our life processes at different time spans yeah. anyway so I really don't know. Um, I think that internalized racism and colorism also stems from what we see in the in the movies and in the media yep um so black men in movies and media or in the movies and tv shows like black men's always like portraying this gangster gang banger type thing or it's like the black family is struggling or love and drama but the black black women finally get they love after all this baby mama drama and all this other stuff Mm -hmm. so like what are some stereotypes in the movies or the media that you see about black people i'm tired of slave movies yeah like (laughs) at this point i I, I don't i don't see them i don't support them yeah Uh, police brutality movies so Mm -hmm. 
especially and also that one. So those, if they're done by like a black director and stuff, I might like buy a ticket but not show up. But even then, I'm kind of thinking <laughs> about that because it's still like showing them support to continue to produce it. Yeah, but those are probably the main two. And then the this is recently I've been seeing a lot of people do this. Like the black woman is like in charge of helping the white woman learn and like grow, taking care of her child. Yeah. yeah, well that one, well that I that would be like a that. the help situation, which but, is. Which is like a thing too. Yeah, that's a thing. And then no, it was in the it was at did you see on uh, Netflix? It was called like Stepsisters. Oh yeah, yeah. So in that way, just like basically like someone does something like racist, and now the black woman has to like swoop in and like teach them not to be racist, and then it's like a learning moment. And Mm -hmm. then like also the black woman's like dating like the white guy that's um like doesn't understand her blackness and so oh what's that show Um, um. Dear white people, yeah. Or it oh, was also, yeah. um, it was oh. this Tyler Perry show, the the Moms Club or whatever, and it? it was this it's on probably on BT, ain't it? Yeah, but I, I think that it came out, and then it, I saw it on BT, but I think it came out before. Okay, I don't know. but um, it was like two black women, and, like two white women, I think, or like one. His, I don't know, but it was like mm-hmm. a device, a diverse group of friends, mm-hmm. and the white mom was struggling with like. Taking like her kid was running around being bad, and then the baby was crying, and the black woman just coming in like, "Give me this baby," and the baby just stopped crying. Yeah, that made me or angel mama type yeah. of thing. Yeah, and she and she was like a heavier set ghetto type woman too, and it's yep. just like, come on, Tyler Perry. <laughs> yeah, like you know better. And I like that's what the my things was that angry black girl narrative having mm-hmm. an attitude because I don't hear you know I don't hear no other race where people say oh they have an attitude. Mm-hmm. It's usually around black girls that over. Us being over-sexualized as fast or promiscuous. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And black men as unemployed and uneducated. Like, those are the themes and movies that I see all the time. Like, I want a best man movie. (laughs) That's why I'm so excited about, uh, like, I know, like, some people don't like Issa Rae. But, uh, the photograph. I, the photograph. Yeah, the we photograph. just seen it last night. Oh, it so was so good. It. Oh my like, God. I was like, finally. Or even, um, we Tiffany Haddish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like this whole, like, and so sometimes I like side eye people, especially when there's like black people in the media and people are like, oh, they're not funny. They're not this. I was like, y'all don't have these same critiques for other people of different yes. races. Mm-hmm. So, like, Tiffany Haddish. No, I'm glad there's just a black woman producing comedy. Right. Like, that's, like that in girls. That's trip. what it is. Like, they're so hard on black, black people in general. And then mm-hmm. white people or non-black people can say the same jokes, but they do it in a, like a black way, and it's like, oh, you're so That's funny, it. or oh my god, like the the renegade dance with how the girl, like the the white people like took off with it, coke, because the white girl has rhythm when the mm-hmm. black girl created it. It's like, oh yeah, they yeah. take everything. It's like, oh, it's better because the white people did it. No. And I think they'd be really overcritical when black women do stuff. Whatever so it's like, right? So I mean, as I'm pretty sure I heard this before, black women are the most unprotected, and you know, mm-hmm. just criticized like for society and it's it is so messed up because Tiffany Haddish like she really like I think she's so transparent mm-hmm. and people could learn a lot from her and within it like within any race and I typically look at like the way we are conveyed in the media as like that is the source for internalized racism mm-hmm. and colorism because we see these like models and elements within the media and we think oh this this society Media is a mirror that's put up to society. That's what we're supposed to be looking to. Like that is that is an influence. That's what should, we should be following. Yeah, that is creating the bylaws, and it's not true. And I don't. 
I don't think that every like a lot of people don't like watching the media. A lot of people have their own way. You know, some people don't even have Instagram or like their <laughs> phone, but it does have an effect, especially on kids who are impressionable. That's what I was yeah. going to say. I was going to say that next. It really have it really takes place when you are young, and mm-hmm. we're e- the kids are easily easily influenced. So if they see this pretty blue eyed girl that's getting all the boys mm-hmm. on the movies, they can be like, oh, I need to be blonde and have blue eyes right so i need to get, get the, the, the white barbie doll and it's like yeah. you can get that black one with the with the hips and all mm-hmm. like, okay. you can get it. right and then like one thing i hate is when a black person dies and the media is giving like negative facts okay. so oh it's my like gosh, oh my yes. so this man was just killed by the police but in second grade he went to the scholastic book fair and stole books so maybe he deserved <laughs> it and the kids don't know any better because they're mm-hmm. like well bad things bad things happen to like bad people so like right. like no sis he wasn't bad at yeah. all and it's like so in psychology you have this thing called schemas so schemas are pretty much like lenses that we have that like pretty much it's going to determine the way we perceive situations so mm-hmm. kids know bad is bad mm-hmm. and good is good and these are the things that go up under both of those terms so it's it's hard for them to di- differentiate between or just have any better judgment or a sense of morality when it's like the media just tells them one thing or the other and they don't know which is like which yeah, yeah especially if they're not also like around like so in this case around black people so like mm-hmm. thinking about I don't know, kids in like Iowa or something. If like no black people are in your community, all you know of black people is what you see in the media. Mm -hmm. And that's why like just like how the media portrays communities is so important and it's so key. And I think that I think they know what they're doing. And it's just like we constantly have to push Mm -hmm. that back. And that's why I always tell people support black media in Mm -hmm. positive ways. And so like me, like so I'm a huge comic nerd. So all the black comics, like yeah. I'll buy like six movie tickets, whether I go or not, whatever. But like I'm mm-hmm. um, supporting you just to show like, no, this is what black people can be superheroes. Mm-hmm. We can be photographers. We can right. be doctors. We can just be like funny people who go on like a vacation. Like, yes, we're multifaceted. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is why I appreciate the new movies that are coming out that shows black people in a, in a bigger light. Um, that shows black people in a bigger light. Like, Jordan Peele and like this is uh in us Us. you know like they were like a good family connected Mm -hmm. united and they like overcame the the struggles that they were facing whereas like the white people was like so separated that they just die instantly oh yeah yeah. I didn't even even peep (laughs) that I had the moment when I watched uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Have y'all seen the movie? No. Oh, okay. So, like, in Into the Spider-Verse, basically what happens, so spoiler, if you haven't seen it by now, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> so, like, he was, um, him and his dad had, had like, um, were having kind of, like, issues understanding each other, and okay. his Uncle Aaron had just died, and so Miles was really close with Uncle Aaron, mm-hmm. and so his dad had came to his door and was, like, knocking, and was like, Miles, can, can you let me in? Right. And so, usually, it like, you know, usually they'll, they'll portray, like, let me in, like, or, like mm-hmm. kick down the door or something like that, but mm-hmm. he didn't do that he like knocks he was like all right it's okay if you don't want to talk and then he oh, just wow. like affirmed miles in like such these great ways he was <laughs> like you're just special like I, I i just see this like light in you and then he was just like i know you were close to uncle aaron and so the him and the, um the dad and the uncle had kind of like they weren't on good terms okay but, yeah. and so like for him to like also do that and see like the powerful role that uncle aaron had played in miles's light i was just like and what? to be able to acknowledge that yeah. yeah and then they just portrayed it in such a beautiful way and i was like what a great way to portray like black families and like yeah. in a positive manner that we just don't always see like yes we have emotions and we do have like emotional intelligence and we know how to like communicate and like talk to kids and like mm-hmm. yeah it was just great I think that is dope um, you mentioned that 
people are overcritical. Essence, I'm sorry. Essence yes. mentioned that black people <laughs> are overcritical. Uh, black women are like overcriticized. Mm-hmm. So just talk about like how black women continue to rise mm-hmm. after everything, like after the intersectionality of being black and being a woman. How do we continue to rise with everything thrown at us? Um, literally, I just think that black women has always been seen as like the one to keep it all together. Like we're the one, the glue. Like when black grandmas die, families fall apart. So mm-hmm. that should just give you like an indicator as to how important we are. Like mm-hmm. I and me being a feminist, I can go all day. <laughs> but like we we go through so much. We see more blood than any man. Like we we birth kids. We do so much. And I just think that people look to us. We the therapists, we dads, we like we cooks, we mm-hmm. everything, and the way that we go through it is that we feel like we have this responsibility to uphill. Like we have to. This is what my mom did before me. This is what a woman is supposed to do, and I should do it. And so should my kids. So we just try to like transfer that and channel it onto the next generation. So I personally, I push through because I'm just so pro feminist, <laughs> and I'm like, this is what women do. Like this is what yeah. this is what we should be doing. So yeah. I co-sign all that. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Like we do it to because we have to survive at the end of the yeah. day as well. Mm-hmm. Like so, on top of all that, we we just have to survive because like the end of the day. Also, if black women don't do it, who's gonna do it? Yes, yeah. that's a, if not us, then who? Yes, like who? So yeah, um, yeah, and we just we fight in the patriarchy and we fight in like <laughs> just all these other stuff with intersectionality. Like being two marginalized groups, it's not like we're gonna have our dis- like the discrimination we face is gonna be separate. We go experience it all in this one combination of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a rap for women, black or not, every time. <laughs> <laughs> I started doing that, like, at the end of, like, I know this one, uh, so I'll support, like, black women business before I support, like, black males and yes. different things like that. Like, I'll still support mm-hmm. black business. Don't, like, misquote that. But, yeah. Like, yeah, but, like, black women first and then yeah. black men and then, mm-hmm. like, other people. But just, like, why? Because yeah. why not? Yeah. Before we go, can we give a tip on how to have confidence despite the negative connotations we always see in the media? Yeah, so definitely find a community of people who look like you. I think that is, and if you don't have access to that, like find it through like social media if you can, mm-hmm. newspapers, mm-hmm. just different things, like any way you, music, um, yeah. art, art is a form of social justice and resistance, like mm-hmm. just doing, just find it in any way you can. And from there, just like really, just like affirm yourself in that way. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's what I, I would have to say. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. I think that, um, just overall developing self love. Yeah. Because that self love is what's going to be able to guide you in those uncomfortable situations with other races where you probably don't necessarily know how to defend yourself, but just remaining you. I think that in any situation, I don't care where you at. Be professional, but remain mm-hmm. you. Yeah, don't get like, fired. Yeah. When I tell you, don't yeah, get fired. Yeah, I'm not Be telling smart. you to wow, wow, and go crazy. <laughs> don't go crazy, go stupid. <laughs> but, like, just, just try to be confident and maintain that confidence in any yeah. situation. Last month, we had a guest, Sakaya. Oh, she and, was great. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Love Sakaya. <laughs> and she said, um, be nice to yourself. She said that we're not, we are not nice enough to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So just know that. And one thing is to know, like, imitation is the best form of flattery. So remember, they want to be you. So know that you are beautiful and you're intelligent and you're worthy of everything that your heart desires. Um, Really be nice to yourself and don't be hard on yourself. Find joy out of what society wants from you. Yep. So that's it, folks. That's up. (laughs) 
Thank you so Our much show. for being here. Thank we, you. We appreciate Thank you. having you. As did, a you guest. did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. I, I love conversations like this. Mm-hmm. Well, bet you can come back anytime. <laughs> so remember, um, follow us on Instagram at Cynic Autonomy. Then you'll find our personal pages. You'll find Q's personal page. Remember that we are on all streaming platforms: Spotify and Apple Music. No, Apple Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Cynic Autonomy Podcast. And you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Cynic Autonomy.